You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Well, it is going to be Trump week again. That's right. President has to go to Georgia by Friday. And then also the debate is looming coming up on Wednesday night. And at this point, um, the president has said he's not going to be at the debate. He's already taped an interview with Tucker Carlson. That will be shown at the same time. It's kind of a vendetta thing of Tucker Carlson against Fox. And I think because the president's doing so well in the polls, he doesn't feel the need. But let's start off. So once again, anyone that's trying to challenge him, it is uh, Trump week Trump week this all over again. Donald Trump is out, announcing he will not participate in the first Republican debate on Wednesday. Writing, the public knows who I am and what a successful presidency I had. I will therefore not be doing the debates. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie calling him a coward. If he's not tough enough and honest enough and smart enough to stand on the same stage with me and debate these issues, then it's time to come back to Mar-a-Lago and retire. Trump still holds a commanding lead over his rivals and now plans to counter-program the debate. Sources tell ABC News the former president already taped an interview with conservative talk show host Tucker Carlson. While his rivals hit the campaign trail this week, Trump is expected to surrender to authorities in Georgia to face charges that he tried to overturn the 2020 election. The former president is also accused of mishandling classified documents in a separate case, offering up this defense. Everything was declassified because I had the right to declassify. But sources tell ABC News his former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, told special counsel investigators he could not recall Trump ever declassifying broad sets of classified material. And Trump's former vice president, Mike Pence, says he wasn't aware of that either. I don't have any knowledge of any any broad-based uh, directive from the president, but that, that doesn't mean it didn't occur. I just It's not something that I ever heard about. Trump faces four indictments, 91 charges total, and quite the split screen that we're playing out this week as the former president prepares to turn himself over to authorities in Georgia. His rivals will be preparing to take that debate stage. So far, seven candidates will participate, George. You know, here's the thing, though, folks. Listen, this is what it's like going up against an incumbent. And, I, you know, the whole thing of Chris Christie, he's a coward and all this other stuff. The debate is supposed to be for those that are going for the nomination. I, I, you know, I could go back and forth like a lot of people, um, like many of you. I mean, of course, I would I would like to see him on on the debate stage. But as I've said, I don't, <laughs> I don't think he needs to. I think it's pretty clear he doesn't need to. I don't think there's anyone. He's got such a commanding lead. He he has a stronger lead than Biden does. This is the CBS uh, morning piece on on the same thing about the. He will not appear in the first Republican debate this week, and in fact, he may not appear in any of the debates during the Republican primary. The latest CBS News poll might help explain why. According to that poll, the former president has a gigantic lead over his challengers. Our survey found 62 percent of likely primary voters support Donald Trump. Governor Ron DeSantis is second, just 16 percent in his column. Others in single digits. Robert Costa is tracking the race for us. Bob, good morning. Good morning, Tony. The former president did confirm in a social media post last night he plans to skip the debate and may have some counter-programming planned for Wednesday. He has pre-recorded an interview with former Fox News host Tucker Carlson, and that could run while his opponents are squaring off. If I had his record, I'd be nervous about showing up, too. Republican hopefuls taking aim as the debate stage is taking shape without former President Trump. I think you owe it to the people to put out your vision, uh, to talk about your record. But new CBS News polling shows the overwhelming majority of GOP voters want the debate to be about candidates making the case for themselves, opposed to taking on Trump. The Republican National Committee will have the final say. At least seven candidates have officially qualified with others claiming they've hit the thresholds. Before Trump posted he won't be taking part in the debates, RNC officials on Sunday were pressing for him to attend. Well, I'm still holding out hope that President Trump will come. Meanwhile, in Georgia, Trump and 18 co-defendants face a Friday deadline to surrender on charges of trying to overturn the 2020 election. But the CBS News poll shows the overwhelming concern of Republican primary voters is that they believe the Georgia charges are politically motivated. 
In federal court, Trump has been indicted for allegedly mishandling classified documents after leaving office. I was never made aware of any broad-based effort to declassify documents. In an ABC News report not verified by CBS News, Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, allegedly told special counsel Jack Smith he could not recall Trump ever declassifying broad sets of documents before leaving the White House, despite Trump claiming he had done so. I think the charge that seems most likely, I mean, seems almost a slam dunk, is the one related to mishandling of classified documents. Republican Senator Bill Cassidy is now calling for Trump to drop out of the race. I think Joe Biden needs to be replaced, but I don't think Americans will vote for someone who's been convicted. Trump has pleaded not guilty in the documents case and denies any wrongdoing in the Georgia case, and his supporters believe him. In the latest CBS News poll, when Trump voters were asked about their source of true information, they ranked the former president above family and friends and even religious leaders. Another sign of how tough it is for his rivals to say to them, hey, give us a chance. You know, that, I want to just go back, that, to me, is one of the more interesting parts of this whole thing. And this is, this also, I'm not saying it's healthy, but this explains to me just the dominance of this goes beyond just a candidate that they agree with. This, to me, is one of those things that when, and it's the first time that we've, I've, I've heard of this, feel what they tell you is true. Among Trump voters, 71% say Trump. So um, feel what they tell you is true. 71% of Trump voters feel that um, that Trump, President Trump, feels, you know, what he tells you is true. Less than 63% say friends and family. So they trust him more than friends and family at 63%. 56% are conservative media figures. And 42% are religious leaders. Feel what they tell you is true. Think about that just for a moment. So you have people, they trust President Trump more than their family and friends. They trust trust that President Trump is telling them the truth more than conservative media figures, which would be, you know, Sean Hannity, Mark Levin, Jesse Waters, um, Laura Ingram, only 42% of Trump voters feel that what religious leaders tell them is true. 42%. So President Trump is, is almost double that of religious leaders. So my point is, folks, when you have that type of a lock, you know, I, I admit, going you go back to the wintertime, it seemed like, okay, he's going to have some challenges here, challenges and challengers. Uh, but what I think people have underestimated is that the legal problems have only made him stronger. The legal problems, and not one, now four cases. So this is like going up against an incumbent. Short of something help happening to him health-wise, at this point, it's almost Labor Day. I don't see anything stopping him. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the answer. I don't know if he can get all the way. But right now, the challengers, anyone, they can't even get any type of break uh, going up against him. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. At Med Urgent Care, walk-in urgent care center. All your medical needs, they're open seven days a week, doctors and nurses, two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. Again, they're open seven days a week at Med Urgent Care. When you need urgent care without the wait now, when I've been in that situation and I needed urgent care, that's where I went. If you want to go to an emergency room and have a long wait, well, you're free to do that. Otherwise, do what I did. Go to At Med Urgent Care, whether it's work-related, maybe someone's not feeling well, someone needs stitches, whatever it may be. At Med Urgent Care, comprehensive outpatient urgent care facility. There's two locations, one near you, 
Johnston right in the Atwood Medical Center, and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. That's right across from Felicia's. When you need, and I need, urgent care, you want AtMed Urgent Care. Again, two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnson and the Atwood Medical Center and 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. Seven days a week, doctors and nurses at Med Urgent Care. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. So you have the CD1 race, and one of the guests on Newsmakers was John Gonzalez. He's with the um, City Council in Providence. And I thought this was a good exchange Tim White, Ted Nisi are kind of questioning him. Uh, this is someone that, to me, is, you know, he's so far behind in the polls. He hasn't raised a lot of money. It's definitely a question of, like, why. I've met him before. He's a really nice guy. But, like, why are you running? And uh, I want to play a clip. This is what it sounded like. Campaign. Uh, look, uh, Councilman, critics of your campaign say you're not truly serious about this run for Congress, that this is about you building up your name politically for down the road and you're clogging an already packed uh, field, um, and you're just doing this more for yourself. How do you re- how do you respond to that? Look at my track record in the community. I'm for the community. I'm by the community. I was born and raised in Rhode Island, and I've been doing that for my entire career. So, like I shared, I've been a teacher for nearly the last decade. I'm rooted in community. I've solved thousands and thousands of constituent service issues on the ground. I do that work every day. Uh, so if you want to question my record, you should question some of the... I don't think it's not about your record. Yeah. It's not about your background. It's mm-hmm. about your seriousness in this campaign yes. right now. You don't have a lot of money. Well, let me ask you that. Uh, the latest fundraising sure. uh, just wrapped up. How much money did you fundraise in the last fundraising uh I, I can't Time speak to the exact numbers, but what you I don't know? estimate, though. Yeah, yeah. So, but I would say that we've raised over six figures in this race, over $150,000 small grassroots contributions from people all over the only raised, Yeah, you only raised $10,000 then in the last period because you I, had 140 on June 30th. I, I'm I'm not sure of the exact numbers. Obviously, you don't um, you don't have any sense of your fundraising for the last six weeks. Uh, of course I do, uh, but 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 I would say you know they're people that we work with on the compliance side. They they look at the numbers specifically. My job is that's okay. Just an estimate. How yes. much do you estimate you raised in the last fundraising period that just ended? I I couldn't tell you those numbers because I've been focused on you couldn't or, or don't you or don't not want to. telling us, but you must have a sense, right? I, I I honestly don't because I've been out talking to voters every single was day. Was it more than more or less than ten thousand dollars? I would assume so. I would I would absolutely assume. But you're not so. sure if you even raised ten thousand uh, dollars? We've we've raised over hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Again in the last the six weeks. You know come on, you know where we're at. The asking. last six weeks I, 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 I wouldn't be able to tell you that. So. Well, what's your cash on hand roughly this as of this week? I I don't know, but we can certainly get you those those don't know, but so we can certainly get I want you to understand numbers, um, I, there's a feeling in that C, Congressional District 1 race that this guy is taking away votes from Sabina Matos. They're both in Providence. He's on the city council. She was on the city council. Matos' campaign is going into a, a desperation mode. I mean, they just, it's not coming together. Uh, the signature scandal really just totally debilitated I, i'm not convinced that lieutenant governor sabina matos was a great candidate in any way she you know was elected with governor mckee but she was part of the mckee matos mail balloting machine that was collecting all those mail ballots that then put her into the office because as a candidate she lost as i've said in the past day of voting to aaron gukian she did win the primary she did win the primary, but again, she benefited from Governor McKee in the primary as well. I think the whole candidacy of Lieutenant Governor Sabina Matos, I think her whole candidacy is kind of overblown. I, I actually, I don't find her that impressive. Um, this has nothing to do with whether or not she's a nice person, whether or not she doesn't have an interesting story. It has nothing to do with that. I have no idea what type of you know, sister she is or daughter or it, it's, it's nothing personal, but just as a political person, if Governor McKee had not tapped her to be lieutenant governor, she, no one would be talking about her. So, I mean, he he really made her. 
so any talk that she is this really strong candidate, frankly, I don't see it. I don't see it with Sabina Matos. I think of anything. Um, I think she's I think she's going to lose this race for Congress. And then she's just a damaged lieutenant governor uh, who has really been defined by this signature scandal that is a criminal investigation. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue, West Warwick. Delicious food and drink. They have a great bar area, always a dependable menu. Whether you're going to eat there or take out, a delicious meal is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Look for them online. You can also find them on Facebook. Whether it's lunch, dinner, or drinks in the lounge, always a good time at the Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Let's go to some of the sound. This is Fox. Is the RNC doing enough? Michigan Freedom Caucus defending these Trump electors. Uh, Stephen Miller and Marjorie Taylor Greene are on the panel. Let's hear it. You just heard my conversation with Ronna McDaniel. The Michigan Freedom Caucus is defending these Trump electors. They're facing decades in prison for opposing uh, the, the voter fraud. It's, it's horrifying, bone-chilling to watch how good and decent Americans are facing decades in prison away from their loved ones, their children, their parents, their wow. family, just because they had a different view of the election, just because they had a different view about election integrity, because they wanted to have a more secure counting of the vote. Is right. that really, really, really where we are in this country? And I would say that I, I would just hope that at every level of the Republican Party. Now, my organization is nonpartisan, but I would hope as someone who cares about the First Amendment that at yeah. every level of the Republican Party, okay. money is being raised to support the legal defenses of those who are being wrongly persecuted, because mm. that is the only way there's even a chance of their legal rights being ultimately vindicated here as these things go up and down the full appellate process, because there's very likely to be no justice at the first phase of the trial. So these okay. things can go on for years and cost millions of dollars per defendant. And so I hope that that is what is going to take place ultimately. No, I believe Marjorie Taylor Greene, MTG, I think she may go to the debate in... in um, yeah. And she also was on talking about what's going on in Atlanta. Let's hear Marjorie Taylor Greene. Charges like in Georgia, I mean, do you think he will be able to be heard in a fair trial before the election or is there a chance he could go to jail? Well, I don't think he's going to get a fair trial at all. As a matter of fact, I don't think these charges are fair. Um, what Fonnie Willis is trying to do is exactly what she's guilty of. She's charging him with RICO, racketeering and conspiracy. In Fulton County, which is a largely Democrat uh, county, he's not going to get a fair trial, and none of this is fair. But that's what Americans see. You see, Americans aren't stupid. And the typical um, lies in the media and the headlines, like, like we've seen for years now, are just not sticking anymore. Americans are going to vote with their wallet, and they remember President Trump's four years. They remember how great our economy was, and they remember $1.75 gas. I can't say that loudly enough, $1.75 yeah. gas. You know, one thing I'll say, folks, is anyone that's Marjorie Taylor Greene, anyone that is running and you can look at I mean, DeSantis clearly is is not up to it. But I don't know if anyone is. Um, I don't know if anyone is up to the task of trying to take out who is basically regarded as an incumbent president. I I I believe that that's too hard, uh, high of a hill to climb. Newt Gingrich was saying that he heard um, someone told, it, this, there's no solid proof to this, but that the whole indictment in Atlanta is a distraction from Hunter Biden. Let's hear Newt. In which these things happen. These guys are, are so arrogant that they're stupid. So Weiss, who is a terrible lawyer, uh, who has pathetically mishandled uh, the, the uh, Hunter Biden case, suddenly gets promoted to be the special uh, investigator, elevated, you know, despite everything he's done wrong already, 
the reaction, he's elevated on Friday. The reaction is so bad on Friday that I am told, this is hearsay, but I am told by a reliable source that Friday evening, somebody from Washington called the district attorney in Atlanta and said, you have to indict on Monday. We have to cover up all of the mistakes we just made with Weiss. And she said, apparently, my jurors aren't coming back till Tuesday. And they said, you didn't hear me. You have to indict on Monday. And she said, well, they're not going to get here before noon. They said, that doesn't matter. She said, this, this means it's going to be 8 or 9 or 10 o'clock at night. They said, it doesn't matter. We need the news so media who, shifting. Who, who, who made that phone call? We don't know. And I'm, and I'm telling you up front, this is hearsay, but it's from a person who has remarkably good I, I, I totally believe it, though, because that would explain why they leaked and they messed up on the clerk document. That's Charlie Kirk. I, I don't know. There's, I, I, wanna, I think he should emphasize that it's total hearsay. I actually don't believe that just because it's been in for quite some time. And the Hunter Biden mess is not going to go away. He should absolutely face charges. Um, and that the Hunter Biden story is not going to go away. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvement. Call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401-323-9252. 323-9252. AJ, drywall, plasters, home improvement, frame to finish basements. What a difference it'll make in your basement. Acoustic ceilings. Look how beautiful your ceiling could be. New homes, additions. Also, commercial rehabs, painting, remodeling, contact them today. It's a family-run business. AJ Drywall, Plaster Home Improvements. Call for a free quote. What a difference they'll make in your home, your ceilings, floors, basements. 401-323-9252. What a difference. Beautiful walls and ceilings. 401 401- Three two three ninety two fifty two. You can also find them on Facebook. It's AJ Drywall Plaster and Home Improvements for your home or business. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks on AM thirteen eighty ninety nine point nine FM. Joining us right now from the Hill is Julia Manchester, and the uh, topic actually, and the story that she's written about has to do with this loyalty pledge with the debate coming up next week julia first of all good morning and uh thank you for joining us on the john DePietro show yeah good morning john thank you for having me so this is definitely looming out there uh let's talk a little bit about this gop loyalty pledge that uh is certainly a sticking point uh because of of you know some of the problems in the past uh certainly in 2016 when president trump essentially refused to say that he would would sign it Yeah, so this is definitely nothing new in terms of how former President Trump approaches this issue. Like you said, in 2016, um, in 2016, or 2015, I should say, he was on the stage. um, You know, a number of candidates raised their hands to say they would support the nominee. He did not raise their hand. The following month, that September, he ended up signing the loyalty pledge, but then he didn't end up necessarily saying he had would abide by it so you know he's left us sort of guessing as to what he will do you know since then and you know when we approach this loyalty pledge and such um he says he will not sign it this time around but at the same time he said he won't be on the he 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 hasn't said whether or not he'll be on the debate stage so that leads us to you know wonder um, if he decides to debate, will he end up signing this loyalty pledge? And can the RNC really enforce this? Can you touch on uh, Rona McDaniel is definitely behind this. What what are they calling the pledge? They're calling it the Beat Biden Biden pledge, and um, you know she points out that this is about um, you know party unity and essentially saying that the, the Republicans are unified in beating Joe Biden or wanting to beat Joe Biden in the general election so they're you know trying to make this less about trump more about biden but critics of the pledge say this is definitely more about trump and how to handle him in the primary now folks again we're speaking from the hill it's julia manchester her story trump refusal to sign loyalty pledge puts rnc in a bind julia i did see um former governor chris christie interviewed and he said that he has not received the pledge as of yet now this is all building towards 
next week. So is this a matter of how is that going to go about, you know, how they enforce it or even just get someone to sign it? Yeah, so in terms of Governor Christie, he said in that same interview with ABC News that he hasn't received it, but it's because, um, you know, the RNC is still doing administrative work in terms of, you know, verifying the donors and getting that paperwork out of the way. So as of now, we don't know whether he's received it. We know that Christie has been very critical of the pledge and has you know suggested in the past he wouldn't sign it but now it seems like he's on board the thing is um you know there's a lot of questions as to how enforceable this is because we know in 2016 that for example john Kasich and jeb bush signed the pledge saying they would support the nominee they obviously didn't support uh, donald trump in the general election in 2016 so um you know there's a lot of people who would say what's the point of this and, and Julia, finally, you know, this all leads up to uh, the big drama on, on Wednesday night. Um, and do you have any thoughts on whether or not President Trump is going to, in fact, show up for this, this first debate? You know, I think your guess is as good as mine. You know, if I were to bet, I would say maybe he's leaning towards no. We've heard his advisors say that and you know his campaign say that in recent months but we don't really know you know for sure what he's going to do he could decide he's not going today and decide tomorrow he's going and uh, Ron McDaniel said in an interview with our partners at News Nation yesterday that um, you know she hasn't gotten a definitive yes or no answer and even if she did he could change his mind. Folks, again, um, great article in it's uh, in the Hill by Julia Manchester. Julia, excellent work. We'll talk to you again, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Get your driveway paved. J. Perry Paving. Letter J. J. Perry Paving. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service. Over twenty-five years experience, specialized commercial paving residential paving seal coating call for a free estimate today 401-732-1730 j perry paving hey learn about the benefits of asphalt paving whether it's a brand new paving project or a cracked driveway it's affordable smooth safe to drive on aesthetically appealing asphalt can be recycled reused j perry paving a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs no matter how big how small contact them today for a free quote 401-732-1730 what a difference it makes for your driveway for your business parking lot j letter j j perry paving 401-732-1730 online at jperrypaving.com and look for them on facebook You're listening to the John DePietro Show. The Karen Reed case out of Canton made its way under court TV. The two attorneys, now they're very aggressive, and their mission, as they see it, and they are entitled to, is to come up with an alternative theory as to what happened in the case of Boston Police Officer John O'Keefe and then with Karen Reed. They have settled on this conspiracy that he was killed inside the house and then his body was dumped outside the house and then they have framed karen reed so her two attorneys who by the way are excellent attorneys they were on court tv i want to play the sound of them giving an update on the case also joining us he's on the other coast in los angeles california high profile attorney you've seen him many times on court tv co-counsel for karen reed alan jackson alan great to see you again great to see you david tonight um let, let's begin here uh, with something that I'm going to actually say Turtle Boy told us in, in the prior segment about the snowplow driver. Uh, David, how significant is this? Have you spoken to the snowplow driver? And is this the key witness for the defense? Well, he, I would say it's one of the key witnesses for the defense. Um, this is no less than bombshell evidence, uh, Vinny. Uh, you know, by the prosecution's theory of the case, my client supposedly struck John O'Keefe with her vehicle and left him on the lawn of Brian Albert's property. That would have been at 12.30 a.m. So when the snowplow driver went by, 
to make a pass at 2.30 a.m. when he's checking the sides of the roads to make sure there's nobody there, not even an animal there that he would potentially hit. And he confirms that no body was on that lawn. In our view, this is ball game over. All right, let me ask you about the other big thing, again, that Turtle Boy mentioned that was that really struck him and struck all of us here at Court TV was this Google search. Now, is this going to be a battle inside the courtroom as to when this search was done about a body dying in, in the cold? Um, is, the, is the prosecution saying this is after the body is discovered? And you guys are saying before? Is this going to be a battle of the experts? What's the, what's the status of all this, Alan? Because to me, this is crucial, right? It is crucial, but to have a battle, you have to have two sides. Uh, there are no two sides to this. This doesn't come from us. This comes from Apple. Uh, the, the time of the search comes from Apple Core data. Uh, in other words, it's not something that can be manipulated. It's not something that needs to be interpreted. It's something that just exists in the world as we know it. Uh, the Apple Cocoa Core data indicates, or the core time indicates exactly what time that Google search uh, occurred. That time was at 2.27 and 40 seconds uh, in the morning on, on January 29th. That's three and a half hours before John O'Keefe's body was found. Why is Jennifer McCabe, one of the parties that was inside the house that night, the sister-in-law of Brian Albert, why was she Google searching? How long does it take for a human body to die in the cold? That's a question that we have posed to the prosecution over and over and over. And the Commonwealth doesn't have an answer for it. So they simply say, oh, well, we think maybe they got the time wrong, except we didn't come up with the time. And we're using data from Celebrite, which is the exact same program that the prosecution relies on. Massachusetts prosecutors across the state and prosecutors across the country have relied on for not just years, for decades to establish guilt and, and, and in some cases to establish, uh, that the defense uses to, to establish innocence. It's unfathomable that the prosecution would take the position, well, that timestamp is not right. We know it's right, and that also, to echo what David said, that is another aspect of this case that establishes this game is over. We know what happened inside the house. We just don't know who struck the fatal blow. And the prosecution, it doesn't seem to want to get to the bottom of it. We're trying to. All right, let's get to the shattered tail light. As, as Alan was speaking, David, we were watching video. Um, and that's Karen Reed's car, right? And, and what's the significance of this video? And, and is this where the, the tail light was actually shattered uh, from your perspective, not uh, during uh, the murder of John O'Keefe? Yes, there, there's no doubt that's when the tail light was shattered. And by the way, that's at you know five in the morning, four and a half hours after it was supposedly shattered the night before. Um, the taillight was intact when she left uh, Brian Albert's house. She came home, and this was Karen leaving to begin the frantic search for John O'Keefe. Now, I don't know that you can see it from the uh, the, the video that that you have there, but there is no doubt that when that. Uh, uh, SUV comes uh, in, into contact with what is John O'Keefe's vehicle parked in the driveway, you can see the, uh, the, that rear tire move forward. Yeah. It rotates. And you also see uh, the, the light uh, uh, shatter from the taillight being broken. So, um, you know, their theory is that this happened, uh, you know, four and a half hours earlier. We, we can prove it happened four and a half hours later. Okay, how about this, Alan Jackson? Is there going to be a paramedic coming inside that courtroom and saying that they heard Karen Reed, your client, say, I hit him, I hit him, I hit him? I don't know who's going to come to court and say what. I mean, it's very easy for the prosecution to stand up and make all these uh, sort of grandiose claims, these fanciful claims about what they think the, the evidence is going to show. I can tell you this. There's going to be no reasonable evidence that she ever confessed to hitting John O'Keefe because she didn't. Uh, could she have questioned, oh, my God, could I have hit him? That's a reasonable thing for a person in that circumstance to say. It's a reasonable thing for a person in that circumstance to wonder. She's sitting there. The last time she saw John O'Keefe alive, he was stepping out of her car, walking up a driveway, walking into a doorway in a house that she wasn't familiar with. 
and several hours later, she sees his body outside in the cold, dying, right? Taking his last breath, and he's trying to jump, uh, she's trying to jump on him, make sure that he gets some warmth in his body. She's trying to give him CPR. Keep in mind, she was absolutely, utterly frantic at that point. Could she have said, could I have hit him? That is a reasonable thing for her to have said. It's a reasonable thing for someone to have overheard. But keep in mind, I don't know what the paramedic's ultimately going to say. Everything that comes from that paramedic is coming through someone that's involved in John O'Keefe's murder. Uh, In other words, Jennifer McCabe, others inside the house, they have a connection. They have a relationship with that very same firefighter uh, or that paramedic. That's why this is all very suspect. If the only thing the the Commonwealth has to to rely on is some uh, supposed statement, oh my gosh, could I have hit him? Uh, that's not enough to to base a prosecution on. That's desperation. When every single other piece of physical and circumstantial and direct evidence points the exact opposite direction, the exact opposite direction to the uh, to the uh, the the Alberts, to the McCabe's, to the people that were inside that house. Uh, David, let me ask you this. We covered the Alec Murdoch trial, and there was testimony about the movement of cell phones, and it was very specific. Like, it wasn't like it's generally in that area. They were able to track the movement of the cell phone. The prosecution painted a picture of Alec Murdoch running around the house, pacing around the house, very specific location. What does the cell phone of John O'Keefe tell us in this case? Because to me, uh, if it's all these hours or an hour that he's alive, is he moving in the house? Can you get that type of a location uh, I, uh, um, information? Is there, are there searches done? Is, are, are there calls, text messages? Is he, is he looking things up? Is anything like that happening on his cell phone, which I believe was found underneath his body? Correct. Um, and that in and of itself is, is curious that it was underneath his body and not in a pocket. Um, but the answer to your question is, is two part. Number one, uh, Alan and I have been fighting uh, tooth and nail to get all Let me just of pause the it just for a moment here, folks. We... The, the cell phone part of this case and the way it's going to be argued, um, it, it, I think this is going to be really interesting because for whoever the prosecution brings forward, the defense is going to counter with their own cell phone expert to say the opposite. It's a new level. I remember the Klaus von Bülow trial and the first trial when he was found guilty, it was all done on the narrative of remember the girlfriend and she was on a soap opera uh, out of New York. The second one was all medical. Thomas Puccio came in. He made it a completely medical case for everyone that Arlene Violet's team put forward uh, Von Bülow's uh, team would step forward and dispute it all on the medical. I think the Karen Reed case is all going to come down to technicalities with that cell phone. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Falcon Pest Services, when you have a pest problem, give them a call. Serving Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass, 401-739-1322. Falcon Pest Services, residential or commercial, whether it is for maybe you have some kind of a termite problem, bed bugs, ants, roaches. Listen, a mice problem. Mice can be problematic. Rats, mosquitoes, many other pests. Falcon Pest Services, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, all different types of programs, multifamily housing, condos, apartments, single-family homes, restaurants, office buildings, highly trained, experienced pest control technicians. Maybe it's once a year. Maybe it's a one-time treatment, monthly service, quarterly, or year-round protection. You can depend. Falcon Pest Services. Call them today for a free quote, 401-739-1322. Get your yard sprayed. Get rid of those mosquitoes. Falcon Pest Services. Call today, 401-739-1322. Falcon Pest Services. You can also find them on Facebook. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, which is DePietro.com. So, former Rhode Island governor, now member of the Biden administration, Commerce Secretary 
Gina Raimondo was back at the Rhode Island State House, and as the norm would be with her, of course, it comes with some controversy. So, and what's the controversy that we're talking about? A subtle dig at the U.S. and a subtle dig at our flag. So, now I have it posted um, on Facebook. I will also have this posted on the website, petro.com. But for those that know about flag etiquette, the U.S. flag is always supposed to be the highest in any time flags are assembled. The U.S. flag is supposed to be the highest flag. The flag of the United States should be at the center, highest point of the group and number of flags or states. But in the Raimondo portrait that was unveiled, the Rhode Island flag is higher. Let's hear. This is the piece from Channel 12. The unveiling of her official gubernatorial portrait. Raimondo tells us she's proud of the work her administration accomplished during her time in office and says she hopes her time leading the state inspires other women to get involved in politics. Raimondo also explained why she chose a unique backdrop for her portrait. I purposely chose to be uh, in front of a Rhode Island beach because I have a love of Rhode Island beaches. Uh, we are the ocean state. And I also, I want people to feel an openness. You know, I want people to know this is the people's house. It's their house. And uh, we have a great state. The artist chosen to paint the portrait was set to receive a $50,000 commission with a lot of that money coming from private donations. But when you look at the flag and make a point to look at the flag, the Rhode Island flag is, is higher. Now, that's not an accident. This is from the school of the Michelle Obama. For the first time in my life, I'm proud of my country. This is a nod to the progressives that uh, it's not the great country that many people think it is, that the Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, was formulated by old white men. This is her way. That's by design. That's not an accident. Whoever, you know, they commissioned to do this, I'm sure they would know, and someone would look at it, a historian would look at it. The U.S. flag is always supposed to be higher. No, this was done by design. Notice it's, when she talks about openness, the whole thing starts off as she's hoping this motivates. It's, it's once again the same thing of her of only the girls could be governor for a day, she hopes that women see this are inspired. Who cares about the men? And then as a slap in the face to um, all of our veterans and really our country, purposely has the Rhode Island flag higher in this official portrait than the U.S. flag. And now it's going to be... I'm also curious as to did anyone mention it when they were unveiling this? Uh, why wouldn't other people look at that and say, hey, wait a minute, that's wrong. This would almost like be having it on the wrong side. No, it's it's not wrong. It, it is wrong, but it's by design. Don't think that this was something overlooked. This is her way of a wink and a nod at the progressives, which is we're not the great country that people make us out to be, and we're going to change that. Um, I have to have the U.S. flag there. But I really just want the Rhode Island flag. So we're going to have the U.S. flag a little bit lower. Just th this is completely consistent with her progressive ideology. And it is an insult. I don't believe that, you know, she is a perfectionist. There's no way this was an accident. This was done by design. This isn't the McKee administration. This is the Raimondo administration. This is her. She didn't. She doesn't make these types of mistakes. So some people will try to dismiss it, supporters of her, defenders of her. But make no mistake about it. This was done by design, and, and it's wrong. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Make sure to find The John DePietro Show Facebook page, and you can watch all the action on the scene live stream. Follow it all, real-time, 
live stream. Just follow John DePietro's show right there on the Facebook page. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Wow, the race for CD1 continues. Someone that continues to dominate the uh, headlines, not in a good way, but is Lieutenant Governor Sabina Matos. So she had this congressman from New York come in. And I want to play. It just turned into total fiasco. He's with her to try to garner support within a, a certain community. And then they're going to have a moment with him. They're going to speak with the press. And he basically says, you know, we've checked into her and we support her and so forth. But instead, um, it becomes it, it it coincided with at the same time, the Board of Elections was coming out with another report about the signature scandal. So I want to play it. We may do some stop and start. Matos is very combative. The congressman from New York is incredibly combative. He can't believe what he's witnessing. Um, and this is what it sounded like yesterday. This morning. It was exactly what I've been saying all along. I know no one has been covering that, but I said that I have way more than the signatures required. I know because we work really hard. We had volunteers also collecting signatures, and I knew, I knew that we have more than enough signatures. That's what I've been saying from the, the from day one. Lieutenant Governor, the congressman said that you're a victim of discrimination, and if you were someone else of a different color persuasion, that this wouldn't this wouldn't happen. Do you agree with the congressman that you're oh, being discriminated? Well, I want to ask her. When I said it, she doesn't have to speak for me. She doesn't have to speak for me. I'm just asking. She doesn't have to speak to me. We're getting her reaction. I'm just asking if she agrees. Do you think you're a victim of discrimination? I believe I've been beat up for three, almost four weeks, and honestly, for something that turned out to be nothing. I think there should have been a little bit more of fairness on how I've been treated through this process. When you say nothing, there are there's names of dead people on some of the forms and people who say they didn't sign. So with all due respect, it's not nothing. And I think you've been but, challenged. But that. we already have someone that admitted that the person lied to um, my campaign, lied to me. So that was already established. So I don't understand why we needed to go through this um, process. And let me tell you, even though as painful as it was, that only my signatures were sent to uh, be uh, reviewed when everybody had signatures that were rejected. Mr. Carlson had over 200 signatures rejected. No one is reviewing his signature. I have been the most better candidate in this race. And I'm the one that has the strongest record of working for more than 12 years serving the people of Providence, the people of Rhode Island. We stop the tape just for a moment? Uh, folks, uh, that... What she's saying, her campaign is still under criminal investigation with the state police and also with the attorney general's office. When she says it was about nothing, um, it, it is true that many times signatures are tossed because someone, for whatever reason, they're not registered voter, they don't live in the district. But not where they are fraudulently committing its forgery, forging names on, and as Brian Crandall says— it's the names of dead people. So listen to the new narrative, which, by the way, I had predicted she was going to get down this route and say that this is she's being singled out. The other campaigns, um, <clears throat> there's no accusations that, that any signatures were forged. There's the difference. She also says her campaign campaign worked really hard. They were paying these people $16,000 to collect signatures. So I don't know where the hard work was coming in. But as you listen to this, I just want to remind people, she's under criminal investigation. And Crandall is right. The, the signatures of dead people were put on. And then other people, like those East, these um, council people in East Providence, they never even signed. Someone forged their names. All right, so this continues. I mean, I'm, right now, I'm the most vetted candidate in that ballot. Do you Lieutenant push Governor? back at all of this? Uh, do you think you're going to overcome all of this? Of course, the voters know me. They know the work that I've been doing for more than 12 years serving the people of Rhode Island. And they know what my ethics and standards are. It's unfortunate that my opponents have been using this to create a mistrust in the, in the um, election process. They're using some tactics that I'm, I'm ashamed to see other fellow Democrats using those tactics. You said in your excuse statement. me, excuse me, Lieutenant Governor, um, 
there's the possibility of the election, the, the, the campaign, the signature collectors. Have you had conversations with each and every one of them? Um, obviously, there's the, po the potential for the subpoenas following the primary. Now, you say you have enough signatures. You've had several hundred signatures tossed out. What if in the event that there is something that is found that the, the signatures that they've collected are in fact valid? Yeah. Congressman, don't victimize. No, 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 no. We're not going to allow. I don't know who you are, but we're not going to allow you to victimize the victim. Okay. No, she's been fully vetted. She's a decent woman. We we trust her. We're here. We're here to support her. No, no. We're here to support her. We're here to support her. And now, and now that she that the board of elections said that there's nothing there. She's going to proceed with her campaign, and we're not going to engage in a conversation where she's going to be victimized again. Sir, enough. Enough of that. Enough of that. She's a decent woman, and she has eloquently, I may say at that, she has spoken eloquently, and that's why we're here to support her and to push back in what I perceive to be discriminatory practices that are not uncommon for women like her across the country and right here in the state. And we're here to support her and to make sure that she wins on the 5th. That's what we're here to do, to push back and ensure she becomes a member of Congress, as I have. Lieutenant Governor, as a woman, do you appreciate being interrupted by a man when I have a job to do? I was right, asking well, you for a question. That's a stupid question. You're doing your job as a reporter, Pardon? and you're, being inter you're getting interrupted often as a reporter. That's happened to all the reporters. That's correct. You can, ask, you, you can ask your colleagues here. I would like here. to ask you your yes. question. Have you had the conversations with the individual signature collectors and uh, about the potential that they could get subpoenas? I'm not having any conversations with any of the uh, signature collectors. Right now, we just have to wait for the process to continue. What I hope is that we all can move on and concentrate and talk about issues, the issues that the people care about, the issue about fighting for Social Security and Medicare. Let's stop the, just for a moment. She, see, this whole business, I can't believe the way that congressman tried to shut everybody down and basically said this whole thing is because she's a woman of color. And I want to bring it back to that, where this guy just completely jumped in. Let me hear that again. Oh, Wait. Here we go. This is um, pretty dramatic. And then he starts making the accusations. What if in the event that there is something that is found, <clears throat> that the, the signatures that they've collected are in fact valid? Yeah. Congressman. Don't victimize. No, 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 no. We're not going to allow. I don't know sir, who you are. But sir, we're not going to allow you to victimize the victim. Sir, okay. sir, no, she's been fully vetted. She's a, a decent woman. We we is, trust her. Me, sir, we're here. Here. we're here to support You're her. Here in our no, seat, no, sir. we're we're here to support her. We're here to support her. And now, and now that she that the board of elections said <laughs> that there's nothing there, she's gonna proceed with her campaign. And we're not going to engage in a conversation where she's going to be victimized again. Sir, enough. Enough of that. Enough of that. She's a decent <laughs> woman. And she has eloquently, I may say at that, she has spoken eloquently. And that's why we're here to support her and to push back in what I perceive to be discriminatory practices that are not uncommon for women like her across the country and right here in the state. Lieutenant and we're here to support her and to make sure that she wins on the 5th. That's why. You know, that's going to be up for the voters to decide if this is all just because she's a woman of color. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Check out DePietro.com. We have merchandise, all the shows, video, exclusive stories waiting for you right there at DePietro.com.